Welcome to Money Freedom for Photographers, where I teach you how to question all your money beliefs, show up and sell your photography, and create a business that feels amazing. I'm your host, Safina Duke. Welcome to today's podcast. I am so excited for you to hear this interview. Lucy is just so genuine, and she has been doing this through many, many stages of the photography business of the portrait business. And she just shares so many strategies and so many things that work. And just, there's so many golden nuggets in here. And I absolutely love the way that she thinks about sales and her business. So just a little bit about who we're talking to today. Miss Lucy Dumas is an award-winning PPA master craftsman photographer, and she has enjoyed a successful, profitable, and creatively satisfying full-time career for over 36 years. She is the baby whisperer and photographs children, families, and the occasional wedding in San Diego. Her superpower is selling three to eight wall portraits and albums to almost every client. We're going to talk about that in the interview. She also has a coaching and training business, insight training for photographers, and loves supporting other talented photographers and creatives who are passionate about creating the business of their dreams or just want to make a great business even more successful. Launching her podcast recently, The Profitable Photographer, has already been super rewarding. She does a solo episode once a month, and her guests three times per month have offered very practical and inspirational content. And I'm very honored to be one of those guests on the podcast. I'm not sure by the time you're hearing this if it will be out quite yet, but definitely check out her podcast. She has so many amazing guests on there. And I was very honored to be talking about money on there, be talking about sales and just today's conversation, guys, is just so good. Like, take it from somebody who has been in the industry and knows exactly what she's talking about. You will love this interview. So, without further ado, here it is. All right. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Safina. Thanks for having me on your show. You're welcome. And thank you for having me on mine, too. So, or on yours, too. We, yes, <laughs> I love pod swaps. Yes, I love that. So anybody who's here on my show, go check out my interview on her show as well. Um, okay, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and a little bit more about you? Sure. So uh, I have been at this photography thing since 1982. And my first 12 years was as a wedding photographer. And then I switched to being the baby whisperer specialist kids are always my favorite. And then about six years ago or so, it was like, I got this like lightning bolt from, from the heavens that said it was time for me to be a business coach. I've always mentored. And so I just, it was time to do it officially. And then a couple of years ago, the lightning bolt hit me again. And it said, be a podcaster. So the profitable photographer with Lucy Dumas has been um, in 74 countries and almost 45,000 downloads, which like I'm kind of Safina shocked about that and excited. Amazing. So yeah. So when I started, I decided uh, based on wisdom I was given that specializing was the fastest way to success. I, I dabbled, I was unemployed. 
thanks to a recession back then. And I, I wanted to be a, a holistic health practitioner. And when I interviewed at the school, she said, we'd love to have you, but I think your path is that you are going to be a photographer. And listening to those whispers from the universe is something I highly recommend. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? A little bit more about the lightning bolts that you have that were telling you to make a podcast and become a business coach. Sure, sure. So anywho, just a little at the beginning, I loved weddings and I loved babies. I made the choice to specialize because if if I'm growing to two different specialties, it's like two different businesses. So then um, it kind of that switching from weddings to babies and then from babies and family portraits to primarily coaching and then adding the podcast, it kind of comes with sort of a divine discontent where I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but I'm feeling like it's time for something else, something more. And I was at a goal setting workshop um, six, seven years ago. And I thought my goal was to grow my photography business even more and create a team and get uh, marketing. I've always marketed enough, but I was wanting to really kick it up but this whole day of the workshop, I just wasn't excited about it. And the, the coach teacher, I, well, everyone else was writing their steps of what they were doing next. I just went outside and was watching the seagulls because this was on the coast in California. And she came out and asked, how's it going? I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know. And then she said, well, what else isn't, is calling you? And I said, well, I think I'm supposed to be also teaching or coaching. And as I talked about it, I like little tears coming down my face. <laughs> and, and I was like, but I don't know if I can afford to make the change and uh, just all of my objections. And she said, first of all, yes, coaching, teaching, that you can have income from that. Number two, when people pay you, they will learn more. And that I can tell is your ultimate goal. And three, your heart's not going to be happy unless you do this. So that was the, uh, that's always been like, what is my heart calling me to do? So that's then. So interesting. Yeah. Well, and I want to share too that that's exactly what happened to me too. And I don't know if you can speak on if you had the same feelings, but it was a source of a lot of drama and confusion about my photography business because I, yes. I kind of knew that I was supposed to be doing more, but I didn't know, I didn't even know what coaching was at the time. So I had mm -hmm. no idea where, where it was going to be going. And it, <laughs> it's, it was so hard to know that there's something else you're supposed to be doing, but you don't know what it is. So you really don't know how to do it or how to get started with it. Right. And for me, it was a journey to um, not, not be trying to grow both, but it, it took me probably a year and being coached myself mm -hmm. to 
finally go, you know what? I'm trying to row two boats with my feet in both. And I'm not, you know, I'm like moving, inching forward in the photography expansion and in my education, mentoring, coaching business. But I'm just going to see what happens if I put all my energy in this one new direction. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, then it expanded. No, I wanted to, I don't know if you had anything like this, but the day that I said yes to becoming an educator, she asked, what's your first step? And I said, I'm just saying yes. And then I'll let the rest unfold. And that month out of the blue, three people ask if I coached or mentored. Oh, wow. From, no, from nowhere. So I took that as a pretty good sign from the great unknown, whoever is, you know, whispering in our ear, whether it's our higher self or the universe or baby Jesus, or I don't know what all that is, but um, I look for those signs. And um, did, did you have any, any experiences where you got this confirmation over and over again? Uh, well, I don't want to say confirmation because it was very clear to me once I found what I was doing, that it was the right path. And it's almost like something that you have to follow, even when, even when you're the only person trusting in it and you don't have all the evidence yet, which that was kind of more my experience. Like I started my coaching business during the pandemic when we all shut down and when we couldn't work. And obviously for me here in Indiana, it was a lot shorter of a time period than for you, but it was right when everything was going into quarantine. And I was like, this is the perfect time to start this thing that I thought I was going to have to put years of education into. And I thought I was going to go through certification programs. And I, I just decided to start it <laughs> with like, no, no backing, no plan, just get started because why not? That's what the pandemic brought up for a lot of people. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so my path, whenever I'm like time to do something new is I look for education and I look for mentors. Mm -hmm. And so early in my photography career, I joined my local PPA chapter and national and state and got involved and got mentors. And so my first step with coaching is that I found a three-day workshop with a woman named Debbie Allen, not not the dancer, actress, director, they called the highly paid expert. And it was like that, that, um, I don't know, coaching 1A, where it got the big picture of it. And just like in photography, where I'm a lifelong learner, I'm always uh, learning and growing in this area. And then when I decided to do my podcast, I did the same thing. And i I listen to podcasts about podcasting and have uh, mentors and have people helping me. So that's anytime I've made a, a, a reinvention, the first thing I do is go into learner mode. And um, yeah, I thought I needed the certification too. And right. um, yeah, you don't just, no, just like with photography. We don't have to graduate from a photography school to be highly successful in our business. Okay. So as a photographer of 36 years, right? Well, 39. Okay. Uh, I know. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, I have so many good questions for you just about your whole career because you've seen so many different, you know, ways that the industry has been. So I, I'm kind of wondering when did you first feel like you had made it as a photographer? Mm. It took me about three years to be full time. Mm -hmm. And I dabbled in a lot of things. So I did <laughs> to get a little extra money. I worked for this free newspaper called the Holistic Living News. And I would get paid $15 per image they would send me out on on uh, photography, uh, you know, assignments to photograph somebody uh, grinding up wheatgrass or the macrobiotic restaurant and and things to supplement and to grow. And then as I began to learn more and worked for a couple of studios uh, photographing their babies and kids because they had baby plans and they they weren't that great with the babies themselves. So I just, I was accumulating knowledge and experience. And then I did a couple weddings and then it just grew and grew. And about three years in, I had a full calendar and was like, my bank account was growing. And I know we both love to talk about money. <laughs> I had savings. I, um, I had already the little business in the airport that they'd canceled my contract in 82. I had been contributing to my um, retirement accounts and things. So I, I think it was about year three. And there, I don't know if there was a, a big aha. Yeah. Okay. Pardon? Yeah. That you started to feel like you were successful. And I'm just yeah. curious what you, since you're mastery is in sales and we're going to talk a lot about selling your work and selling your wall art and all of those things that you are amazing at I want to know what things were struggles for you and what things did you have to overcome as a salesperson when you were learning hmm. um what's well, tricky because I've always been a salesperson at heart my mom used to sell jewelry at JC Penney and she was like their top salesperson and so I didn't have that, oh, it's a, it's negative. It's a bad thing. It's, it's trying to push things on people. To me, selling is about service. It's about um, getting people to understand the value of what you do and then helping them buy it. Um, so I'm trying to, Challenges, I guess it's just learning, it just the, the technical, I don't know, that's a, I haven't thought about that in a while, but there's just the, like how to handle objections and how to price yourself for actual profit. That's mm -hmm. always tricky. I probably spent three weeks trying to come up with a price list and analyzing, okay, if this album cost me this and this cost me that and this cost me that. And how much profit do I need? Uh, and now when I'm coaching people, we sit down and in our first phone call, we figure out uh, how to price themselves for profit and for reaching their goals. So it was just the whole, I don't know. Did I answer that question? 
Yeah. Well, I'm honestly kind of jealous because it sounds like you had a natural, you didn't have a lot of things that were like holding you back as in your self-concept as a salesperson, which I definitely did. I was the opposite. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a bad salesperson. And I just wanted to do the work that I was good at, do the photography and have someone else sell it for me. Cause I just didn't like that part. I wasn't comfortable in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's very lucky when you start off on the other side and you just get better and better at your skill. And it's more things that are not really mindset related as much as just like learning how to set up things. Right. For you, it sounds like. Yeah. 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 And, um, just growing in the skills and my, um, what changed everything was when I got a really nice projector and the photo labs began to make slides for proofs and in addition to paper proofs. And so showing my work big kind of took care of the sales process uh, at least 50%. Instantly, the first sale paid for the projector. And that's still true. I encourage all of my clients who want to make money in weddings or portraits to get a nice projector and whether they have it in their studio or they take it to the client's home. When you're showing your work put to music, first of all, you fall in love with your work more (laughs) and you see, you see why it's worth it. So that's one of those humps to get over the sales process is sitting with a client and having their reactions and your own reactions, you grow in confidence and in passion for making sure that people get gorgeous photographs on the walls and in books printed by us from professional services and not, you know, Walmart and Costco and places like that. So one of the big big ways to get over some of that challenge but also the other is to understand that it's a service and um think about um like recently i bought a luxury bed and (laughs) i went to three different stores that had latex mattresses which are amazing and it was like the three bears one was bad one was okay. And one store was amazing. And the amazing one had beautiful branding, great lighting. You walked in and like each bed had like a light on it and you could almost hear like, oh, <laughs> and the desk was right up front. And it was a pretty little desk with, uh, you know, like the logo and the colors and everything and the service and the way that the, the salesperson listened to me and was patient in educating me. Um, It didn't feel like I was being sold. The other two, one was just a horrible experience. She took a phone call from her grandmother while I was laying on a bed. (laughs) And and that store actually went out of business, uh, not surprisingly, since I got my bed. And then the middle one was good, but it wasn't the full um, experience. And some of the difference, which is, you know, I'm sharing this for us to think about this more deeply about selling. I really felt like the woman at the place I bought the bed cared about my comfort. I have a hard time sleeping. And I didn't realize till I replaced the bed 
that some of that was that my latex mattress had gotten old and kind of crunchy. They, they don't sag, but they dry up. It's a kind of interesting. And it's, it's almost so feeling like she cared and that she genuinely cared was one of the keys. And if I needed an employee, I'd be trying to hire her away from that store. Um, so yeah, so that's where the, the heart of sales comes in is the heart for service and not the money, like the money I need to charge well, A, so that I can, you know, reach my goals and B, and we talked about this on my show yesterday, I believe it was 24 hours ago, <laughs> was when people invest well, they value it more. So um, yeah, so that's right. my so many photographers are, uh, it's not that they don't care about their clients. It's just that they're unable to focus on that part because they get into so much drama about their own sales and their own goals. And if they can do it, that they just, their attention just isn't focused on their clients. Mm -hmm. like that. And that's something that you're building, of course, as you're building your sales skills. Okay. And then I want to mm -hmm. talk about art sales, but before that, I have one more question about just kind of like your, how you started and everything, which is Sure. You know, a lot of people have things going against them. That's kind of like reasons why they have in their head, why they're just not going to make it. Um, like for me, for example, it would be having my kids at home with me being a full-time stay-at-home mom, just saying that I don't have time or saying that I'm too young when I started, which I was like, I think I was 20 years old when I started. So all mm -hmm. those things were like limiting beliefs as that I used as a reason to not be successful for a while. And do you have any things that you were dealing with that you could, you could be a living example that it's possible to still get past those obstacles? Well, the first obstacle, which is not so now is that I was woman. Mm -hmm. um, I was a woman in a male industry. It may not be um believable now because uh you know it's much more balanced although in the professional like the ppa community there's still more men judges and and so forth and i love men so it's not like oh i had to work around men but i experienced a lot of pushback i within my local um photography group it took me six years to get on the board and I'm I'm people like me so it's not like oh we don't want her on this but I honestly think it was because the perception of a woman being in a leadership role in that industry back then you know in the 80s was limited now remember I could not buy a house on my own or get a credit card without a co-signer until 1975 people maybe don't realize how, that how in, recent that was yeah in in my you know as a young adult I had to get my dad to sign to buy a condo and to get a credit card and um so fast forward just nine years after I got my first credit card to be in an industry that that um, where we just weren't respected that much. And then once I got on the board, I'm a strong personality. I have lots of ideas. And while 
there were people that absolutely embraced that. There are a couple of guys where, you know, that is not, um, that wasn't comfortable for them. And I met with a lot, a lot of resistance and even decades later, a couple of those people still, um, you know, never quite accepted me. So I don't know if that's helpful at all <laughs> for that's anybody. So and I think you said, you know, you might not be able to see it now. And I think there are a lot of women in the industry, but when I think about really high portrait sales, like um, five figure portrait sales, I still feel like, and then, you know, portrait studios, things like that. Um, I still think that it's more male dominated or that it, maybe males take it more seriously or just have a different perception. Like we have this, this thought as women that it's harder for us. And it's, it, we're just kind of in a different place about it still from, yeah, from, yeah when you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, um, which one thing that's really surprising about that to me is most of my coaching clients are women. Uh, most personal growth workshops that you go to are going to be like 80% women. So we're out there learning and growing and wanting things. But at the same time, men are finding success as well without all that. So it's just curious to me. I have no answer for why that is, but um, yeah. And yeah, even what you said about getting a credit card and a business loan, stuff like that is really interesting that men have been doing that for years and years and years, starting businesses, going bankrupt, borrowing large sums of money. And maybe that's just a newer thing for women. And it's not something that mm -hmm. we're used to doing. And when we're just a stay at home mom, when we're starting out, we're like trying to save money on everything. And we have almost zero belief in what we're doing for ourselves. And it's right. something that we've been societally conditioned to think as women, I guess. Right. Well, and I think uh, any artist there's a challenge because we're making something and we're saying, here, do you like it? Do you want to buy it? it? So much of our own identity and sense of worth can get tangled up in the photography we're creating. Mm -hmm. And when people can separate the, the, the personal from the fact that we're creating a product that someone may or may not want to buy, then once we get past, you know, that um, making about us and our worth and our value and making it about the client and what this could contribute to their life, it becomes easier. Does that make sense to you? Oh, good. Yeah, that's so true. I love that. Okay. Yeah. So what, um, let's just talk about your wall art sales. So you've got what the most wall portraits sold at your per client, right? Per client at your per lab. client. I'm yeah. My photo lab, Mid South Color Lab. Little shout out. Woo um, they cater to the photographer that is building or has a. So they're not like anybody with a pulse and a camera is who they're looking for. They're looking for people who want the quality and the service and. And the intentions of having, you know, really successful business selling products, and, and they don't sell what I call trinkets. Like I don't think you can buy an accordion little mini book, 
Uh, they do have metals. I don't think they've jumped into acrylics yet, but so, so I'm in good company and in no way am I the, the biggest business of theirs, but per client, I sell the most wall portraits. All right. So and know all about how you are able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So first of all, it comes with the core belief that that is the most valuable thing I can create for people. People living in homes where they have beautiful photographs that strangers would love of people they love in their homes. To me, um, you know, it's the legacy, it's the daily joy, it's the reminder that even though, let's say the kids are driving you crazy and you want to like put them somewhere you know, on a curb with a sign that says free, take me <laughs> that you love them when you look at the portraits. And so, and I think that families need not only like a formal scenic portrait, but some groupings, the kids together, the kids separately, something beautiful of mom and dad that goes in their bedroom that, that is, you know, very scenic and very romantic so to me, five to seven is, is ideal. And so it starts with, this is, this is what I think is how I can serve my clients best is to help them uh, want it. And it's a step-by-step -step process. And it starts with positioning myself as what I call the trusted advisor. The trusted advisor is someone that you can lean into that you know likes you, values you, is listening to you, has knowledge, and is creative and truthful. So on the phone call, we have what I call the emotional phone call that gets them in touch with um, kind of the heart uh, and the feelings they have towards the the people that will be in the photographs, even if it's a boudoir and it's about yourself. And I listen. And so people love people who listen to them. It's just, I, I was at a photography conference once and there were a dozen of us sitting around a table at the back of an expo having lunch. And we all had the usual photography conversation. And then there was a woman that started asking about me where are you from? Did you grow up there? Oh, why did you move? What did your parents do? Oh my gosh. What was that? And she's the only person I remember ever from lunch in the back of an expo because she showed an interest in me. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's the start of it. And then I share with them that my goals, which is creating art that they will love, uh, that even strangers would love. And then we don't get into money talk on the phone other than just a straight question, which comes right from the great Charles Lewis. If, if people haven't um, hooked into him, he's been around uh, over 30 years preaching about wall portraits. And in fact, he's the one that woke me up to the, to the, the fact that, that, uh, that was, you know, that's what I wanted to do sales-wise. So the sentence is, most people invest a minimum of, 
X to X and you kind of go on the low sides of, of minimum. And that might include something nice for your home and a few smaller ones to share with family. Does that fit within your budget? And that's all I say about money. And if they start asking details, well, our next step is a consultation. So then at the consultation, I show my work, I learn more about them. Um, I go over pricing, I get them excited and get them booked and plant those seeds every step of the way for wall portraits. I have them bring pictures of their home and measure walls that might be great spaces for art. Planting mm -hmm. seeds, planting seeds, handling objections. When they say, we're not wall portrait people. I might say, have you ever had a portrait that was custom designed, not only to go with your decor, but photographed in a way where you, like the love you feel for your family is increased every single day? No. So mm -hmm. yeah, planting the seeds. Point out something, which is that yeah. the reason why this is working so well for you is because of what you said. The first thing that you said was that your belief was so strong that it's such a good service for your clients, because I feel like some people might hear what you just said as a response to their objection and try and say that. And it wouldn't sound very natural coming out of their mouth. It would sound like a sales pitch, right? right? For you, right. it sounds like right. actually truly believe in this. I do. And I truly believe, and this is just for me, so it's not uh, judging anyone else, but I believe if I were only to sell digitals, I have not done my job and I've actually um, is there a nicer word than cheated? Uh, <laughs> that, that it's not fair to my clients to leave them with the work of, of creating finished portraits without the experience or the custom lab. And everyone gets busy. So also that I, I donate my time to them. They got to pay me for it. But it, to me, that's my job. And um, yeah, so yeah, it comes in the belief. And then I have a system in the sales room that like everything Safina has built up step at a time so that when we sit down together and I use a projector and a movie screen, either take it to their home or they come to my conference room, they have a little slideshow put to music. So we get emotional. Then we start uh, narrowing down to the ones that are worth considering, then we separate them into groups. So what could be beautiful for the wall potentially? And I put that in a folder. What would only be smalls and what might go in an album? And then I have, this is a little secret sauce that I don't know when I started doing this, but it, it made, there's two things that I do differently and teach differently than anybody unless they've taken my classes separating those into groups and then having another slideshow of just the wall group and running through it twice so that they notice which ones give them a really powerful emotional reaction and getting them back to the emotion and away from like thinking, thinking, thinking. And um, that makes it really hard for them not to want all of them big that are in that folder that they really love. The other, and it's really old school, but it works, is I have white foam boards cut 
uh, from a, a 40 by 40, 30 by 40, 24 by 36, you know, all different shapes and sizes. And I get out of my chair a few times during the initial sorting and I hold a board up in front of one of my favorites and they see it as if it's printed art. Are, are you following it? Did I explain yeah, that? Yeah, like from your projector? Yes. Yeah. And that, that used to be before digital, that was the only way we could show sizes was to use the boards and, and say like, okay, here's a 30, 40 and a 24 by 36. What do you think is the best? So I just kept doing that. And there's something magical when you see it on a board as if it's printed and ready to put on the walls. So, you know, there, so there's this intention, there's this passion, and then there's this, I'll call it techno this relationship I build. And then this technology mm -hmm. that is, you know, that my systems and over the, you know, umpty dumpty million years I've been in business, I've learned some things about handling objections that, um, you know, I teach those as best I can. And some of it comes with just doing it over and over again and noticing the, the response. If I say this, or if I say that in response to an objection. Thank you for being so generous with your sales process. I think that'll be oh, really sure. Um, okay. Yeah. And what do you think is like for somebody who's starting in-person sales or who isn't good at in-person sales yet, what do you think that you notice that holds them back um, from being able to sell a lot? Oh, it, it's funny because in coaching, there are people that just jump right in and, and they're, it's like, okay, I'm just going to trust you and do what you say. And then there are people who, and, and the biggest challenge is always people that have been doing things one way for a long time to take the risk that they might lose business or, you know, if they're, right. if they're um, like, I've, I've had a client that has a very successful shoot and share business because her work is incredible and she's, she does effective marketing. And so for her to make the turn is a challenge because what she's been doing is working enough. Now we did, we broke down her hourly because she's this like busy, busy, busy. And her average sale where, and where she delivers digital is around 600. Um, but when we analyze the time she spends, she's making about $8 an hour. Mm -hmm. and and yet she relies on that money you know for her family uh they need it so it's challenging for her to to just it's like jumping off a high dive for her whereas people that have like one of my coaching clients we had him do a lot of free sessions to build his portfolio because he didn't even have a business we figured mm -hmm. out pets were a, a good path for him he started photographing uh, neighbors' pets while he was learning my sales system, and got the projector, got the movie screen. You know, had 
had all the system in place. And then his first sale um, was $2,000 and like four wall portraits. And it would have been 4,000, but we hadn't quite gotten to the point where I taught him how to close a sale. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it, it can take courage for some people. Um, yeah. It, so basically just that fear that they're going to lose their livelihood. Like we were talking about this on your show where sometimes you do have to go to that worst case scenario and say, well, what would you do if, cause it is possible that you could lose some of your clients or a lot of your clients if you're undercharging. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so, um, yeah, it's a, I don't, I don't know. Everybody's got their own way. Um, you know, just getting to that point where you realize clearly that this is not going the direction you want. And there's a point we're going to have to turn back and take another road. You know, how, how long do you want to wait until you start getting the income you deserve? And the other thing that's amazing is the more I charge the, the nicer and more cooperative my photography clients seem to be. Right. Right. And yeah. So have you had that experience as well? Oh yeah, definitely. Like they just kept getting better. Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to analyze why that is. And I used to think there was like a kind of person who wouldn't pay more and was difficult. But then I thought about if I hired someone to paint my house and they were very inexpensive, I would probably watch them very closely. And I would imagine that they maybe weren't as skilled and that I needed to be more critical to get the kind of uh, job that I wanted. Whereas if I paid somebody twice what the average was, I would expect that they were masters at it and leave them alone. Right. So that's my, that's my current theory. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. And I wanted to say too, I think this brings us to another topic of that I, you can speak on how you dealt with this, but you, you mentioned people are so busy, right. And especially photographers and especially photographers that are in the shoot and burn life still are extremely busy. And that's one thing that I have never created a business for myself like that. Like I was always, I would always rather be more expensive and not have enough clients than be like super busy and not making enough money. So I didn't really have to deal with that as much, but like, just how do you, how do you create the space? How do you deal with the discomfort of having more time? Because, you know, it's kind of like learning how to sit with your emotions and your feelings and Mm. And all the other mm. stuff that you're avoiding from your life, right? By being busy all the time. It's like mm-hmm. you kind of switch into that mindset instead of always trying to hustle and work hard. Mm-hmm. Well, you've just hit on something that's a really personal issue for me. And I used to go to Workaholics Anonymous. And when you say by, you know, doing that hustle and working, 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 we're avoiding feeling those things that come up mm. when it's quiet. It totally, my, my dad worked a lot and there's a lot of praise and acknowledgement out there in the world for, you know, working too much and being busy. 
And what I learned from going to this program for, I don't know, year, year and a half is it isn't about what I stop doing. It's what I add to my life that helped me balance my life more. And I actually started making more money working less because I, I put in self-care, playtime, uh, more travel, journaling, art projects, uh, sitting under a tree, reading a book and like, like where I was requiring myself to do those. And that caused me to have to think about how can I work smarter because I can't work any harder and I want to work less hard. So that that's the kind of exterior piece, but you mentioned that inner journey. And I know that's something you're um, when you coach people and on your private Facebook group, you're really big on that, that inner life. I love that about you, Safina. Thank you. Um, I, I hit this wall and realized, um, because I'd been married to an alcoholic and, you know, it was always like, why doesn't he get sober? And which he didn't while we were together. Um, but I began to look at it as anything that we do that keeps us from that quiet space where we're just with ourselves, seeing it as it's, it's a did did it addictive behavior. And so I just had to be willing to sit and be quiet and see what comes up. And at the time I, I got a therapist. I did a lot of journaling. I've got probably a room full of self-help books and things like that, mm -hmm. because I wanted to, you know, I, I meditate, I learned to meditate um, and just allow, like I did a lot of healing and a lot of crying and a lot of journaling, you know, about what was it that I was trying to avoid by this, you know, overworking behavior. Right. So, yeah. And it's so worth it at this point in my life. I have so much peace and clarity and tools and, and such. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's the relationship with yourself that you're avoiding, honestly, like that's what, and I'm, I know all of this because I too, am. this is like my thing that I, maybe I don't sign myself up for extra overwork in my business, but I don't, I did not like to be alone with myself or quiet with myself. And I had to learn that I just had to practice like loving all these different parts of me that I maybe didn't want to accept. And also questioning why I thought I had to always be achieving. I've just realized actually recently that it's like, why, you know, people might look from the outside and be like, oh, she's always so motivated and always, you know, wants to go for the best or whatever. And, but for me, it's, it's my sense of self-worth is tied up in that. And it's like, it's right. question. Well, why is that? Why can't I just be enough right now? And why do I feel like I have to always be this big extravagant version of myself? Mm -hmm. Right. And it so becomes, it's kind of just like, yeah. it's, it's doing the work of undoing that and being okay with who you are today and yeah. where you are today. So did you come up with some answers to the questions of why? Yeah. I mean, I think as a child, that was a way that I got praise and attention. And so it was mm -hmm. the smartest or being the best grades or being, you know, like able to do things kind of like achieve things. And so I, I'm always just 
trying to go for the best, trying to go to the top, trying to make the most money, like all those things. And it's like, and I'm just kind of now starting to be like, well, that's all going to happen. I don't need to sit here and be just focused on, oh, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough all the time? It's just mm-hmm. forcing mm-hmm. into the evolution and letting it be okay right now. Right. One of the things, and I love that you shared that. And uh, I'm like, wait, that's me. Is she talking about herself or Lucy? (laughs) So yes, I I did get a lot of acknowledgement. I didn't get punished much as a kid, uh, but other than my parents would be disappointed in me and that that was like the worst. But when I achieved, you know, they, I did get that that praise and such but one of the things that COVID has done for me and I live alone um you know I've had nice relationships but none of them have been for a lifetime and and I have come to really enjoy my own company but what I've learned from the quiet of COVID is that I have this very negative bossy voice in my head that's push, 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 pushing me all the time. And I've allowed myself to um, quiet that down at times. And it's interesting because I've had more um, new coaching clients, more easily attracting great podcast people, more other kinds of business come my way as I've softened that like every morning what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And um, I, I read a really good book. I can't remember the title of it, but it's about anxiety. And I realized this voice in my head, uh, it is a kind of anxiety that, um, I don't know, I just feel so much more peace by kind of separating that voice out as like almost a separate person. And comforting her and reminding her, I got this and we're doing great. And we have plenty of money in the bank and the people that, that want what we want, they're being magnetized to us. So yeah, it's been an interesting year and a year and a quarter, uh, you know, living in a house with all my different sides. (laughs) So that is interesting that you said that because I've literally been going through that exact uh, I, I don't think I even noticed that I had that voice until maybe two weeks ago, something like that. Like it, I just started noticing it. I started noticing, I always have this constant telling me I'm not, I should be doing my best or something. Like, I don't know why, why, why do I think I always need to be doing my best? What if it's okay to spend some of my life not doing my best at every single thing? And I would notice it when I was with my kids, even being like, well, you, you should enjoy the moment the best that you can, because like, this is, this is it. This is the moment you need to be present. as <laughs> It's just anxiety. And that makes you not be able to enjoy it. Right. 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 Yeah, that, so, it's, funny. so it's funny that you've been doing that for, you said past year and a half, because I've, yeah. I've only been doing it for two weeks and it feels so amazing to let myself yeah. force myself to go upstairs into my bedroom and like, shut all the blinds and just sit there and be completely useless and be completely unproductive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sophina, my, um, I haven't checked to see if it actually got published, but 
my podcast episode today, Tuesday, the 22nd of June, 2021, is part two of how a book I love called The Four Agreements relates to business. Have you heard of The Four Agreements? I've heard of it. I haven't read it. Okay. I would highly recommend, and it's a small and it's a powerful book. And one of the agreements is always do your best, but the subheading on on that is your best will change from time to time. And as I worked on this episode, I got a lot more clear that his message and it's ancient Toltec wisdom is really about easing up on ourselves, being in action and and striving for excellence, but also not over um, working, not not pushing beyond what really is best for us as as a human or a mom or a woman or you know just a person breathing in and out, <laughs> you know a, an, an animal. And um, so you might find that an interesting listen and. Um, yeah, it, I love that our so, conversation went in that direction because it's so important. Me too. Yeah, it, for me, when when I'm coaching people, and you might find this, you know, you have lots of ways to get people in touch with their inner wisdom. Well, at least I'm just assuming that, and based on my friends and what they've loved about working with you, um, that we have this. Um, side of us that is really the real us and different um, teachings they call it the silent witness and in in meditation what we're trying to do is connect to that part of us that's not the body not the mind not the busyness not the achieving but that thing that is always there and always watching how we create our life Mm -hmm. and and that the more we can kind of be in a dual relationship with our active physical self and that true us, that's us the day we were conceived or born. I'm not sure when, you know, our actual usness, mm-hmm. you know, the Safina and Lucy, unique in all the world, never been anyone like us, never going to be again, but that part of us that is timeless ageless um having that awareness being able to to like separate ourselves from the the physical active you know brain activity cells is a really powerful i was gonna say powerful way to have power but it it is such a gift and most people don't live that way um and so when you can, you can drop into that more and more anytime you're, you know, feeling any kind of distress or anxiety or even fun to like have that side of us uh, where, where we, we know she's there. Is that, is this making any sense? Have you connected? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's that part of you that it's like, it just knows what you're capable of and you can trust in it. And it's, the part that you want to be dropping into all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and we're always ask, enough. Go ahead. Yeah. I want to ask one more thing before we wrap up. And it's basically just, if you could 
speak to your younger self. And if you could just give some wisdom and advice from what you've learned, where you're at today, what would you say? I didn't realize the gifts I have. I didn't realize the ability to create. I, I, I don't know. I thought, well, for, first of all, I would realize I was freaking gorgeous <laughs> and thought I was too fat and too plain and too this and too that. <laughs> so that's the one thing because it, it, uh, I would have had more, um, confidence in my dating life <laughs> too. So that's a whole other story. Um, but oh, somebody's starting to call me on my computer. Do you get that? I don't know how that happens now. Um, anyway, that first of all, that I'm going to do great and that I have everything it takes to create any life I want. And um, yeah, that, you know, I have a unique set of gifts. I'm special. Everyone's special in their own way. And um, yeah, and maybe to take more time, you know, that taking time to live, uh, that I don't have to earn my place in the world. I've already got a complete invitation to be here fully and bring my gifts and enjoy the gifts of life. And that's what I can think of right now. Yeah, I love that. Okay, and then is there anything else that you wanted to leave us off with before we say goodbye? Oh, gosh, so many things. So in relationship to, to our businesses, the core of what we are selling is ourselves. And everybody can create photographs, even now people can do it you know you can put a camera in a monkey's hand and teach him how to push the buttons and he can take some photographs but the relationship that we offer people as a photographer as an artist as a a, a friend you know in the friend zone especially in this world where connection is missing people don't talk on the phone like we used to people don't get together as much they're on their computers they're on you know all of that um so finding what it is about us that is uniquely qualified to um like why someone would enjoy working with us uh, you know that's the one thing i would offer and then from a more practical standpoint join your local photography associations, your state associations, join the professional photographers of America or Canada or Australia or wherever you're listening, get involved, volunteer, get on committees. Um, that's how I grew fast was when I got active in the profession, uh, go to the WPPI convention coming up in, in August, go to the, in January, it's in Washington, DC with PPA, make friends. The thing I love about now that I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have a podcast mm -hmm. because I've been involved in this profession, like deeply involved for so long. I have that master's degree from PPA, um, craftsman, cause I've taught. I know so many people 
who are amazing and have a lot to share that, that I'm on hugging basis with. So uh, of the hundred and some episodes on my show right now, at least 40 of my guests are people that I already know and love. And so it's such a resource. I had no idea, you know, 20 years ago that, that I would be getting to have rich conversations like this one here, which I love making new friends too, Sabina. Um, so yeah, and it's from not being an isolated, you know, photographer at the computer, marketing at the computer, not joining, comparing ourselves to others, but like get, get involved in this career because it's like the best, <laughs> don't you think? It's like, oh my gosh, it, it's, and photographers are wonderful people, especially portrait and wedding photographers are, we're people people and we're givers. And um, yeah, we don't have competitors, we have colleagues. So yeah, so there's a, there's a lot and I've always got more. <laughs> so. Yeah, I love that. So basically be humble, get to work, get out and meet people, get involved. And don't forget that you're hot and beautiful exactly where you yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> Men and women. Yes. And that you still are as you're maturing, but also, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you yeah. so much for being on. I really, really appreciate it. It's so nice sure. to take me on your show. So and Mine. I have a couple of invitations. Yeah, I can let's share where we can find you. Um, so if you go to lucydumascoaching.com, it's Lucy with an I, you will find a link to an ebook called 10 Big Ideas for Marketing in the Real World. And it's about getting out of your chair, away from your computer, and into the world to get business. And then there's a little uh, PDF on seven big seven tips for attracting ideal clients. So I've got those little gifts for you. If you want to send an email to me, you can either do it through lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I, or Lucy at lucydumas.com. And my podcast, it's on everywhere. Lucy Dumas or the profitable photographer with Lucy Dumas on iTunes and Spotify and you name it. So, yep. Perfect. That's my shame, we'll shameless plug there for you guys to find. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show again and people know where to find you and where to listen to your podcast. So can't wait to see where this goes for both of us. Thank you. Yeah. I I've loved uh, our conversation and really appreciate uh, you having me on your show. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. If you're ready to do this work for yourself and your business, I invite you to coach with me one-on-one. -on -one. We will spend six months turning you into the person who knows how to create whatever results you want in your life and business. You can sign up for your free consultation at the link in the show notes. And if you're enjoying the podcast, you will love our free Facebook community called Money Freedom for Photographers. You can find it by searching for the group on Facebook or also linked in the show notes. We'll see you in there.